When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. One of these days, you're going to ask me how I'm doing, and I'm going to hit you with liar, liar. Like, I'm a little upset about a bad sexual episode last night. (laughs) (laughs) Um. (laughs) Welcome to Recotopia, a happy home for recommended movies, shows, and music from two people you can definitely trust. Trustability varies by region, no guarantee is implied. Now, here are your hosts, Chris Atkinson and Jeremy Scott. You go in and ask them yourself, Chuck. Okay, go in and see if they would serve a party that came in at 2.58, and the answer would be yes, because that's when we got here. The Forbes guys are going to have all this, too, and they're going to dig through the records at that office building. Okay, I'm sure they have surveillance cameras, and they're going to check them. I I didn't do anything wrong, Chuck. I really wish you'd stop saying that. Hello, everybody. Howdy. Recotopia episode 64. I am Chris Atkinson. I'm Jeremy Scott. And uh, once again, would like to acknowledge the chat. Looks like a pretty decent amount of people coming out yeah. today. Um, our big uh, recommend today is Shattered Glass. Um, and uh, yeah, good to see good to see everybody out, out here. How are you doing today, Jeremy? I'm doing quite well. How about you? I'm doing great. I'm doing great. Uh, do you have any small recommends for us? It's no big deal. <laughs> It's so small and light. It's small, it's tiny, it's petite, it's wee. I do. One of these days you're going to ask me how I'm doing and I'm going to hit you with liar, liar. Like, I'm a little upset about a bad sexual episode last night. (laughs) (laughs) Um, (laughs) My first uh, small recommend uh, is a new comedy special on Amazon Prime uh, called Hello World with Nashville Mm. native comedian Nate Bargatze. Um, mm. just, that is how his daughter says his last name as she introduces him. Uh, I don't know if you've ever seen any of his specials. Um, I've seen one. But his daughter typically introduces him from backstage. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, please welcome my daddy, Nate Bargatze. And it's adorable. Um, <clears throat> this dude is so freaking funny. He just, just a few weeks ago broke a sales record for Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, where the Predators play. Sold more mm-hmm. tickets to a concert there than had ever been sold. Part of this is due to his ingenious, tiny, in-the-round stage that just allows for more chairs to be put around him. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's known as the clean comedian. Um, in fact, there's a, a part in this special where he says the word sucks. I'm talking about how he couldn't say that as a kid. And then he lambasts himself. He's like, this is a family show, and I'm bringing this filth to the stage. Um <laughs> He doesn't cuss. He doesn't 
do sex jokes, uh, but he makes me laugh almost as hard as any comedian ever has. Um, he is every bit the storyteller that Mike Birbiglia is. It's just that Birbiglia usually has some gut punches and some real heart at the end of it all, whereas Bargates mm -hmm. is pretty much having a good time. Uh, it's 60 minutes long. My wife and I couldn't stop laughing for an entire hour, which is why you watch uh, stand-up comedy specials. There's mm -hmm. a, does a whole bit about being the oldest child. And he does a whole bit about being his sister, um, being the youngest child. It's 20 minutes of material. And then mm -hmm. he starts the next joke and then goes, oh, wait, we also have a middle brother. And then moves <laughs> on. And the entire place explodes. He just, it's all about the timing and the delivery of his jokes. Um, and I just, I want more people to watch him who have not watched him. Um, mm -hmm. And uh, he has a special, he has two specials on Amazon Prime. And I think he's got one either on Hulu or Netflix. Anyway, this one's called Hello World. I give it uh, all my thumbs up. Um, it's a really, really good time. <clears throat> yeah, I really like this guy. I've seen, I think, one of his Netflix specials before. Um, I haven't, I, I probably haven't seen nearly enough of him, though. So I'll have to give this one a, a look. I really do like him a lot. And especially... I like the, you know, the local boy done good uh, yeah. type of work uh, type of thing, too. So uh, I have to have to give him some more uh, attention. Um, something that's not local. Yeah, that's a really good segue. Um, <laughs> uh, I, uh, I watched uh, the 1978 Terrence Malick film Days of Heaven. Ooh. Um, and... Uh, this was sort of like uh it was like this is time, time i haven't been on the criterion channel in a bit so i'll see what they got offered offering up on here so this is this one came up this movie stars richard gear and brooke adams and uh, sam shepherd uh richard gear at the beginning of this movie he's working at a factory and you can't really hear much going on there are i, I did have subtitles uh, going on this, but there, there's some sort of mystery thing that seems to be happening with he and his, his, uh, his boss during the scene. It's set in the 19 teens, like the 1916, 1917, somewhere around there. Uh, there's some sort of, uh, argument or heated thing that happens at the very beginning. Richard Gere strikes his boss and like, I don't know, kills him or knocks him unconscious. Either way, he's not working there anymore. He, he gets the hell out of Chicago um and uh he is uh hanging around a he's hanging around his girlfriend who he always introduces as his sister in this movie i don't know why i didn't quite catch why so like for a while there i was sitting there going so are they really just brother and sister and they're just sleeping together and all this like is, but that's the that's that look you're making right now is exactly what people who understand what kind of couple they are are thinking too like aren't didn't you just say they're brothers there's it's, it's hard to hide if you're in love with somebody and that type yeah. of thing they uh uh they also bring around uh his his uh girlfriend's sister who is the narrator and if you're a terrence if you know anything about terrence malick movies there's always someone who's like giving that ethereal quiet narration through the movie uh and uh that's what she that's what her function is they go to the panhandle of texas and uh they get jobs out in this wheat field this uh extremely wealthy guy played by sam shepherd uh is the is the uh, owner of this of this place 
uh, we find out that his he he's has he's been given by his doctor a year to live, hmm. and we know that he has uh, started to develop a shine for Brooke Adams, Richard Gere's, Gere's girlfriend. And Richard Gere says, "Hey, you should go after that. You we you should you should uh, you should marry him, and then when he dies, then you know we can take over his fortune." And, uh, that's sort of the way that movie is set up is that's what's going on here. And, uh, the movie is just beautiful to look at. I was, uh, struck at how, how gorgeous it was. It did win the Oscar for cinematography, uh, back in, back in the day. Um, but, uh, you know, if you're not into Malick, you're probably, I don't know if you'll like this. This is a short movie. This is an hour and a half. Uh, and, uh, it's really well done and, uh, I, I highly recommend it. Where are you? I, uh, I haven't seen this one. I've seen Badlands, but mm -hmm. I've not seen this one. Um, I like Badlands. Um, uh, mm -hmm. yep. and I know that for most people, Malik is either yes or no, but I actually find him 50, 50 for me. Mm. Yeah, um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, I haven't seen this one. I have to put it on the list. It sounds kind of interesting and, mm -hmm a little possibly incestuous but yeah it's uh i i i don't know i i had read afterwards i had to read afterwards because I, I didn't really get the connection for the longest time but uh, the wikipedia page on the plot seems to think they're boyfriend and girlfriend but just posing as brother and sister for various reasons i don't okay. know why. well that's a lot easier to handle yeah, um, yeah. so <clears throat> all right cool coolio mm -hmm. my second small recommend is a huge recommend uh mm -hmm. i have now played a few hours of the brand new game star wars jedi survivor Ooh. this is a sequel to jedi fallen order from four or five years ago that was a great game um this is uh cameron Mon monahan is the voice and does the uh motion capture work for this jedi character that's guy that played uh joker on uh gotham show mm -hmm. um Really good actor. Um, <clears throat> this takes uh, place five years after that first game. So first, uh, out of the gate, your main character, Cal, has a lot more powers, a lot more force abilities. Uh, my One of my only complaints about the first game was that it took so long to get good at shit. Um, <clears throat> the opening scene of this is mostly cinematic. Uh, there's like one place where you're walking forward for a little bit but for about 12 minutes you're just watching a movie i put the controller down after 30 seconds and just watched i was engrossed mm -hmm. uh and the way it turns from the first scene into the gameplay is one of the coolest things i've ever seen not in terms of the transition but in terms of the story um <clears throat> and then the only real thing i want to say beyond that is that i have played a lot of freaking like jedi games in my lifetime uh i have I have played a lot. Uh, if there has been a video game that had a Jedi with a lightsaber in it, I've played it. And they have finally perfected Jedi force fighting. <laughs> I, they have settings where you can just mash buttons if you want, which is what I do because I'm not going to memorize 12 different buttons. And mm -hmm. the first fight, there were three stormtroopers on the other end of this platform, and I mashed boom, boom, boom. And I force pulled one of the stormtroopers through the air right in front of me and stabbed him through the throat with my lightsaber. <laughs> and I got out of my chair and cheered. It was one of the most exhilarating things I've ever experienced in a video game. 
I can't wait to play the rest of this game. I hope it doesn't go downhill from here. Uh, it also has a really extensive uh, leveling up system. So in many ways, this mm. is an RPG. You gain points and then you can spend them on certain abilities. Uh, yeah. But the coolest thing about this game is they have you can spend one credit, if you will, and wipe out everything you've chosen and then redraw it, choose different mm. abilities and choose a different tree. After you've played the game for a while, you might find you prefer certain types of abilities to others that you didn't make the choices correct, but you can undo all of it with one turn and start again. Anyway, um, yes, maybe this is a game even one of us should stream at some point. Um, yeah. But, uh, highly, highly recommend. Caution to you who, who love physical media. From what I understand, if you buy the physical version of this game, you get a box that has a digital download code in it, not a disc. So mm -hmm. you may as well just buy it online and download it. Makes no it. sense. <laughs> Why would they do that? I think they're really trying to force people off of physical media. It's 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 probably more expensive to print a game on a yeah, disc but than to just make a box don't, and send it out. Don't make it available physical disc then. Yeah, I mean... I agree. I mean, but, I guess they're technically not, but just don't make it available in stores. And it's kind of a dick move. If you get that thinking, all right, you pull move. it out, it's not a disc. You're like, shit, now yeah. I have to wait. download this game for an hour. Yeah. I know. Jesus. Um, all right. Uh, the next movie I saw, I'm pretty sure you've seen this one, Jeremy. Um, uh, it's Infernal Affairs from 2002. Mm, yes. um it is the uh movie that the the departed uh remade uh four years later martin scorsese um uh i i wanted to give this one another look uh i'd seen it long time ago but i think i'd seen the departed several several times since uh and that's the that's the movie that's in my mind about this is the definitive version of this movie or whatever but like uh, going back into watching Infernal Affairs, it's 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 funny. I mean, if you've seen The Departed, you've seen this movie. This movie has almost everything that happens in The Departed. The one thing that I think makes this better, though, there's no uh, focus on the on a love triangle, which mm. is what The Departed does, and it yeah. wastes a lot of time on that. I feel like yep. I know that they're trying to do this weird theme about like you know uh, like matt damon and jack nicholson or they they can't have they can't uh have children or something like that there's like this theme going on in the in the movie with that and it's like yeah that's fine and good but we don't really need that do we in the middle of all this and um it's just it's like if you've seen the departed and then you watch this movie it's like cuts all that like nonsense you know the departed of course has a lot of great stuff in it especially like you know the the dialogue in it and the, yeah. the actors and all that but uh but uh but if you're unfamiliar with either of these i don't know how you would be but at, at this point you know it's it's a it's something that we all wondered like why has this never been done before where you have uh you have someone who's not only an undercover cop but you have somebody who's a mole inside the police department at the same time and uh, this movie does a little bit better job of showing that this is an actual philosophy that the main bad guy has. He's got, he's got, he's at the very beginning, he's giving these people, uh, these kids, uh, his, his like, you know, uh, a pep talk of some sort. He's got six guys who've got clean records 
and he wants them to go into the police force and he wants them to make good in the police force. And so that he's got somebody on the inside at all times. And this one guy, you know, much like Damon does in the departed, uh, shoots through pretty, pretty fast. Cause he's just good at what he does. Um, and, uh, and then you have the, the other guy who, uh, he goes to the police academy, but he's not really considered somebody who's going to be a great cop. And then they sort of manufacture a, a criminal record for him. And, and it's also more believable. And so he ends up working with this guy. I think they call him big Sam in infernal affairs. Uh, the, the undercover cop in this, it's a little bit more believable than in the departed In the departed. I feel like DiCaprio has been doing it for like two years or something like that. And it feels like he should easily be like pointed at as possible undercover cop in this operation. And, and, but in infernal affairs, this guy's been doing it for 10 years when we get to him. Mm. Um, and uh, he's played by Tony Lung, by the way. Tony Lung, who was in Hard Boiled and uh, who who's in Shang Chi. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. uh, in fact, there's a lot of this movie. It feels like it's inspired by Hard Boiled in certain cases. It's even got two people from Hard Boiled in it. But uh, but yeah, it's uh, it's the 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 whole thing is is like can the undercover cop figure out who the mole is in the department? Can the Un can the mole find out who the undercover cop is and there's this a tremendous back and forth going on and you know just like in the departed there's a big scene there's a this is uh just more drugs not micro processes um <laughs> it's uh it's about drugs basically drug deal uh the uh you know that you have you have the undercover cop feeding information to the to the you know to the uh, the people who are trying to bust this thing. And then you have the mole who's like feeding information back to the, to the, to the bad guys and everything. It's really well done. It's really good. And if you haven't seen this and you're right, love the departed, I, I would definitely watch this one. This one might actually uh, come out on top for you as the better version of mm. this movie. So, mm. um, so there you go. I've only seen this once uh, and it's been a long time and I've seen the departed a bunch. So I need to go back to this, but also don't confuse mm -hmm. this with internal affairs with uh, Andy <laughs> Garcia and Richard Gere. Yeah, uh, yeah, Richard yes. Gere now getting two mentions on the show today mm -hmm. for some reason. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> all right. Uh, are we ready for the big recommend? I think we're ready for the big recommend. Oh, big recommend. I'm fine. I'm fine. It's just that you're so, Big. It's so huge. It's a good rule, but this is bigger than rules. It's bigger on the inside. Is it? I noticed. Mm -hmm. This week, big recommend is Shattered Glass. Mm -hmm. um, a movie that I appreciate a little more every time I watch it. Uh, mm -hmm. And it's on the surface, it seems simple, but I think it's really deep and complex. And I love the way this movie opens and, and frames the events. We open with him on top of the world he's back in his old high school classroom with his old teacher he's famous as a writer for many magazines and all these writing students like idolize him um <clears throat> he's probably at the time in the late 90s one of the most prominent uh magazine writers period um <clears throat> and i like starting there uh, because as everything crumbles, we get to remember 
where he was. We even finished the movie back in that classroom, only this time it's not triumphant. It's not, mm-hmm. it's not happy. Uh, we're just seeing how high a pedestal he fell from. Um, yeah. So Stephen Glass is a contributing writer for a bunch of magazines, but a, a writer and contributing editor to the New Republic. That's his primary job. Um, this is based on a true story, by the way, if you didn't realize that. The New Republic at the time was the in-flight magazine of Air Force One. So mm-hmm. as he says to the students, the thrill of working there is that your work is read by people who matter, the most important people in the world. Um, <clears throat> he is the star uh, of this entire staff. It's only about a 15, 20 person uh, operation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I love how there are early signs of his self-esteem issues and manipulativeness. Like the girls review a piece he wrote, the girls being Chloe Sevigny and Melanie Linsky. Um, mm-hmm. And they say it's a little rough. And he goes right to, oh, it's the worst thing I ever wrote. It's terrible. I'm not even going to finish it. Uh, And somebody comes in to ask him a question and he'll be like, are you mad at me? Um, Yeah. So there's insecurity there uh, from the get go. Um, And this is, I think, an awesome performance by Hayden Christensen. Uh, A a middle finger to anyone who ever said after the prequels that he was a bad actor. Um, So one of his early hit stories is called Spring Breakdown. It's about a bunch of young Republicans at the CPAC conference. Um, drinking and drugging and whoring. Mm-hmm. And we see these scenes uh, and we see Stephen Glass in these scenes, um, even though we will later learn he's not actually there because much of what he wrote was fabricated. Mm-hmm. Um, but soon after the piece, there are questions. Uh, the CPAC director himself, um, who doesn't like the image of these wild Republican parties in the hotel, he calls the, the New Republic and, and says that they don't have many bars in the hotel, like your article said. And so Hank Azaria is the editor. His name's Michael. And he uh, asks Stephen, hey, were there, were there many bars? And he's like, well, yeah, I saw the little bottles of alcohol everywhere. And then a little bit later, he comes in with his notes all sheepish. And this is part of his act. This is part of what mm. Stephen does uh, is, is he admits to something small but makes it seem huge. So he's like, if you want me to resign, I will. And, and he's like, just tell me. He's like, they don't have mini bars. I think I made an error. They must have rented a mini fridge. But they were definitely drinking mini bottles of alcohol. And this editor's like, is that all? And he's like, yeah. And he's like, all right, <laughs> your resignation won't be needed today. And then he calls the hotel and says, do you have mini fridges that your guests can rent? And they say, yeah. And he's like, all right. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. pretty much the end of the story. Uh, because again, Stephen Glass is a magnetic personality. He tells wild stories. He remembers details that makes it seem like he cares. Mm-hmm. Uh, he he is loved by all these people, uh, and so there's no reason to dig any deeper than that at this point. Uh, you know, you made a simple error in his notes. Um, <clears throat> well, the boss of the magazine is a guy named Marty. Uh, who gets really mad because he says the most recent issue has too many commas in it that are misused. (laughs) He comes in and orders the staff to circle every comma. They each have a copy of the issue and they have to go through and circle every single comma in the magazine, which is grade school shit. Um, And Hank Azaria comes in uh, and goes to bat for his team. And you can even hear him yelling at Marty in the office and basically threatens to resign. Uh, And so then they're told to go back to work. Now, Steve uses this story when he's talking to the high school students as an example of what a good editor will do. A good editor will have your back no matter what, because he will ultimately 
will feel the opposite about Chuck, the next editor. Mm -hmm. He feels like Chuck never had his back and was out to get him because he liked Michael so much. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> so uh, Marty calls Chuck. Chuck is uh, Sarsgaard, Peter Sarsgaard, uh, another incredible performance from him. Mm -hmm. And says, hey, I'm going to fire your boss, the editor, Michael, and replace him with you. But don't tell anybody for three days. Yeah. Uh, um, and he's reluctant with the secrecy, but obviously he wants the job. Uh, and so um, <clears throat> Michael gets fired, Hank Azaria, and starting to get a little speech on his way out of the office with his box. And then that's right when Chuck comes in with his stuff and it's just awkward and awesome. And I love it. Um, and so he leaves. So now we have a new editor. Most of the writers resent him because they don't think that he has enough experience and they loved the editor that was forced out. So we move on to the next piece that Glass is going to do. He's pitching a story about a hacker conference and a company called Juke Micronics that got hacked by this kid named Ian Rustle, who's a 15-year-old hacker and had a list of demands to unhack their website, including cars and comic books. And I never noticed until this viewing that that kid's wearing a Cal Ripken jersey. Um, I, I don't know why I never noticed that. I'm an Orioles fan, but uh, this is taking mm -hmm. place in the D.C. Bethesda area. Um, <clears throat> so the sweater begins to unravel after the piece is published. And Steve Zahn, who works at Ford, did Forbes Digital, uh, his boss yells at him for not getting this story. Um, and so, of course, he's going to read the story and see what, what, is it, what is it that I missed? And he sees red flags immediately, which mm -hmm. I think speaks to the internal groupthink going on over at New Republic that no one uh, ever had any red flags about this piece because it was so compelling. And this guy is like, eh, I don't know about this. So he starts digging. Rosario Dawson's his coworker. She's great as well. Um, she starts helping him dig. And so they begin to have enough questions. He actually calls the piece a fucking sieve to his boss. Mm -hmm. And his boss then calls Chuck over at the New Republic and says, hey, we got some questions here. We want to do a follow-up piece. Can we get some phone numbers for these guys? And so Chuck is like, hey, Steve, I need these phone numbers. And Steve does his, are you mad at me, routine? Mm -hmm. uh, and if you've ever had a friend in your life who is that insecure that they've literally said that phrase, like, oh, are you mad at me? Um, <clears throat> Again, it should be more see-through to his coworkers than it is. Yeah, uh, they are they are wearing blinders. So Glass cobbles together <laughs> some bullshit because ultimately none of these numbers exist. None of these people are real. Uh, but he manufactures a phone number with a with a voicemail, <laughs> gives it to Chuck, and Chuck calls and is like, "Hey, I got some questions about this uh, Juke Micronics stuff, and you know, call me back." And then, like the next day. Because Stephen says, oh, I got to go check my notes at home. The next day, Stephen has found a very shoddy-looking business card for one of the other key uh, witnesses. Um, <clears throat> and <laughs> Chuck gets a phone call uh, from somebody who says, leave me alone. I don't want you to talk to me anymore. I'm the guy mm. that you called. <laughs> and it's like one of the most suspicious things ever. Uh, and you can see Chuck writing down, like sounds like a really young voice. Mm -hmm. um, and I love the scene here. We cut back to the high school class and Stephen lays down exactly 
how many hurdles there are between a piece and publication mm -hmm. and how many rounds of editing and fact checking and back to the other editor, then the second editor, then the fact checker again, then the writer again. Then, And he says to this class, remember, this is before he's fallen from grace, before he's been caught. He says to this class, but there's a loophole. In By some way, cases, just, yeah. I'm sorry. I'm sorry no. to interrupt. I'm not sure even that classroom thing happened. Like, I think even that could be considered something that he's lying about as, I agree. as far yeah. as the, 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 the main character of this story is, uh, you know, is concerned, like everywhere we see him where he's, uh, telling stories, he's lying. So it's very well possible that this could have happened before, uh, he got caught, but it also could be that he's just not made, you up. know, right. So anyway, yeah. just, no, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but then he tells him about the loophole and says, you know, sometimes, and of course, the New Republic, there's a little background chatter here and there about how they don't run photographs with their stories because they're mm -hmm. just too prestigious for that. Um, and he's like, sometimes the only thing to check facts against are the writer's own notes. Yeah. Um, and so that is how he has been skating by is that the only thing you can verify is his own notes. So we come back to the present or reality uh, and there's a big conference call with the Forbes people and Chuck and Steven and the Forbes people have enough really good questions that you can see in this scene Chuck start to change his opinion mm -hmm. um, and by the end of that call I think Chuck doesn't believe anything Steven is telling him anymore mm -hmm. um, and Steven admits to the Forbes people this is like a two-hour phone call I think admits mm -hmm. i now feel after the things that you've pointed out that i've been duped so this is his <laughs> fallback story instead yeah. of saying i made it all up it's these people lied to me uh, mm -hmm. but the people were all real right um and uh <clears throat> chuck says let's get in the car we're going to bethesda because chuck is not fucking around anymore and mm -hmm. <clears throat> steven's like why do we need to go there you know nobody's gonna beat it. he's like somebody might remember seeing any of these people let's go so the first place they go is to the building, the hotel, where the hacker convention was held. And it's just a lobby. It's a lobby mm -hmm. of, a, of a business building. And it doesn't look anywhere near big enough to hold the 200 people Stephen said were there. And then they asked the doorman, hey, do you remember a convention a couple weeks ago on Sunday? And the guy's like, building's closed on Sunday. Mm-hmm. And Stephen's like, I was here. That's all I can say. I was here because he's relying now on the fact that there's no actual proof he's lying. Yeah. Um, Chuck storms him over to the restaurant he claims they had dinner at. Uh, and the sign says 10 to 3, Monday through Sunday. <laughs> and he turns around. This is my favorite, one of my favorite scenes in the whole movie. Um, Chuck turns around to Stephen and says, you had dinner here. And Stephen's mm. like, yeah. How many people? 10 people? 10 people. They close at 3 o'clock on Sunday, Steve. And mm -hmm. he, got, he does the same routine. Like, I was here. All I could tell you was I would, they, they barely let us in because they were going to try and close. Um, <laughs> and this is very much like George and Seinfeld when he has lied to Susan's parents about having a house in the Hamptons mm -hmm. and horses, uh, Snoopy and Prickly Pete. Uh, yeah. And he carries the lie all the way out to the goddamn beach in the Hamptons before yeah. finally breaking. Um, and that's what I feel Steven is doing um, in this scene of the movie. And on the way oh back, Stephen almost gets them killed in a car accident. Chuck is like, pull the fuck over. 
Um, <clears throat> and the only confession now he's willing to make, the next step back is, okay, I wasn't really at the conference, uh, but I relied on uh, you know, descriptions from people that I thought were telling the truth and they probably lied to me. So at this point, Chuck has to confer with this other dude. Who, I don't know who this other guy is who seems like a boss of the editor, but under Marty. And he mm -hmm. shows up in like three scenes. Anyway, they disagree. Mm -hmm. Chuck wants to fire Steven. That guy wants to suspend him. And they yeah. suspend him for two goddamn years, which might as mm -hmm. well be firing. Might um, as well. And there's another great scene. My second favorite scene in this movie is Chloe Sevigny in the lobby confronting Chuck because she's been on Steven's side and she still is. And she's like, he's just, he made a mistake. He's just a scared, messed up kid. And, and all of his pals, there were so many excuses. And, and Chuck just breaks it all down for her. And I think he ends with, do you not have any idea the amount of shit we are about to eat? Um, mm -hmm. And I get the sense, even though she doesn't have any more lines after he walks off, that, that she has been confronted with some truth uh, and maybe doesn't feel quite the same. Mm -hmm. um so chuck goes upstairs and starts flipping through all the magazines on the wall in the lobby rereading all of steven's articles I love this scene too because we get hayden's mm -hmm. voiceover reading the articles but with if chuck closes the magazine and tosses it on the floor then hayden just part way yeah. through tense um and then they start overlapping as you realize that oh my god he cooked every mm -hmm. single story with fabrications uh and steven arrives again um and Admits, yes, it was my brother, um, but left you the voicemail. He's in California. Um, and Chuck fires him on the spot. Mm -hmm. And Stephen suggests that he might be suicidal. Um, and you guys might know, I'm fairly sensitive to this particular topic. Uh, but to me, this plays like just another lie that Stephen mm -hmm. is telling to yeah. get some mercy and some compassion um, and you know, Chuck is not having it. He says, if, if you're going to hurt yourself, uh, then just, you're welcome to sit here in the lobby for a little while mm -hmm. and, and not yeah. hurt yourself, but I'm not going anywhere with you motherfucker. Um, mm -hmm. and <clears throat> the final pieces of this is Chuck going in. Uh, I don't know if it's the next morning or Monday or what have you, but he's prepared to argue with the entire staff about why firing Steven was correct. Instead, what he finds is them in the conference room with an already written statement signed by all of them to their mm. readers apologizing. Uh, basically, this is a sign that they have now embraced Chuck as their editor. And I feel like this movie, um, one of the main themes is about truth and journalism. Um, mm -hmm. I think there are much deeper themes, but one of them is like one of the through lines is we've got to protect the integrity of the institution of journalism. We got to we got to do what's right. Um, and then there's some sort of law room scene. I don't really know who, if somebody is suing somebody, I think they are. Um, uh, but, uh, Steven's on one side with his lawyer and then Chuck is on the other side with his lawyer. And Chuck says, we have a list of articles that we believe you fabricated part or all of. You don't say anything. I'm going to leave them on that list. If you object to them, I'm, I'll take it off the list and re-examine it. And mm -hmm. the end of the movie is just him reading off titles of articles and Stephen saying nothing mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and it just focuses in on Hayden's face mm -hmm. as he realizes this is the absolute best my life is going to be.
I can't, mm-hmm. I can't, I can't win. Mm-hmm. Um, God, I really love this movie. Uh, I jotted down some trivia stuff I'll get back to after you share your thoughts. What did you feel uh, about Shattered Glass this time through? Yeah, this is probably, I don't know, fifth or sixth time I've watched this movie. Um, I, I watched this in theaters, in fact, back in the day. Um, I really love this. Uh, the the whole like last 30 or so minutes gives me chill bumps a lot of the times, uh, especially when uh, Peter Sarsgaard is talking to Chloe Sevigny on the, at the, uh, on that floor and she's doing that whole like you know like you're why are you firing him you know blah 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 defending him and all that and that that him going through that thing where he was like is like he fed us fiction after fiction and we let him do it why because he was entertaining yeah and he's like it's indefensible don't you see that (laughs) and that's that line that it's indefensible. Don't you see that always just makes just chill bumps on my, it's like, it's rare to see, um, it's rare to see, um, a hero in a movie admit some sort of fault. And mm. that is the, like the crescendo of that movie. Mm-hmm. Like it's insane how much that makes me feel good. And then later when he sees that letter that's signed by everybody, he said, I was worried I was going to have to come in here and explain all of this to you. Yeah. And they all figured it out. But yeah. There was a question in chat that asked, why do you think Stephen Glass was such a rock star in this thing? And one thing that the movie may not be quite good at telling you here is once you've written articles that make that many covers of that magazine, mm. you are the rock star of that office it doesn't matter whether or not you know you don't find him particularly entertaining or whatever he's pretty entertaining i mean the guy is telling his stories like you know and he's a young guy too he's mm-hmm. a super young guy good he's looking like guy yeah yeah so uh so to, to the fact that you know that's one thing that you may be missing from this movie is that i don't think it quite tells you what kind of rock star he is because you just see him interacting in the office like like any other other person he's so like you see all of his like weaknesses and everything yeah. you know why would anybody like this guy I was like, well yeah he's not only is he the rock star but yes those compliments that he pays everybody as they go around those go a long way guys yep. those go a long if you want to be a brown noser kind of person and do it in a like a less eddie haskell way that he does it you people remember that he remembers all these weird details about like there's the scene at the party where he labels the diet Cokes and Melanie Linsky asked him, why did you do that? And he goes, well, you said something about, I can't remember what the reason was for it. Oh, uh, she, uh, she doesn't like, uh, diet Coke on ice because the ice waters it down. Right. So, so he, she goes, Oh, you did. But I said that two years ago. <laughs> That's th- that type of detail is a kind of thing that is going to endear you to a lot of people. Um, oh yeah. So so it, it's it's pretty clear why he's he's a like you know a star here. Um, the, the there's also that I love that thing where Steve Zahn goes through all the things that are wrong with the story with his editor. 
and you know we couldn't find a juke micronics we couldn't got got voicemails here blah 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 we couldn't find a law that he's talking about he's talking about some law about like you know not protecting hackers and stuff yeah. there's 21 states that have a law that are uh, couldn't find anywhere none of the 50 states have this law that he's talking about um and then he's like did you find anything right with the piece and he goes oh yeah there appears to be a state in the union called nevada <laughs> <laughs> it's the steve zoniest line there is uh, in this it's such a such a good moment uh in this um i went back and actually read the article that uh that uh, what's the steve zahn's character well his that's the real guy um it's, what is it? pet yeah it's something like that um geez uh adam penneberg penneberg i went back and read that original article and and you know a lot of people you, you may not realize this was a huge thing for digital media back in the day mm-hmm they, they they don't they weren't they weren't like a expert news organization on the internet back in back in this time back in the 90s um and for them to find somebody from the hallowed print media especially as stuffy as the new republic is and find out that they were creating entire fictions to put in their into their magazine was a huge thing for them um, and a lot of the people who are, who are mentioned in this story, uh, went on to have like pretty big careers. I believe the editor, I, I'm trying to remember. I think it, I think the Steve Zahn guy, like he ended up, he's like a professor now. I think the guy at, uh, the, uh, the, ed, the, uh, the editor, uh, at, uh, Forbes digital ended up working for the Washington post. Oh, wow. um, and, uh, so like, there's just, you know, the, there's a lot of people who, uh, made their careers off of this and everything. But, uh, yeah, I, 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 I love this movie a lot. Uh, it, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's, it's, it's entertaining. And even though it came out in 2003, it has this kind of, uh, there's a nineties indie feel to it. Uh, almost mm. it feels like, um, uh, it, there, there's something like warm and homey about it, but, uh, watching him trying to lie his way through all of this and everything gets exhausting. Yeah. It's not the movie's fault. It's just no. that it gets exhausting. Like, dude, do you know when you're beat? Do you finally know when you're beat? You obviously have never been beat before. Like this is, this is, you know, he just keeps trying to find ways out and it's insane how many times it happens. But. I saw a video a couple months ago of a street fight. There's two girls fighting and one kicks the other one's ass for like, three minutes and the boyfriend of the one getting pummeled goes just take the l <laughs> yeah 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 and, yeah uh, exactly yeah, and i see a little bit of chatter about uh how prolific he was outside of the new republic i think his success at the new republic alone being read on air force one would have made him yeah. a dc rock star but he also wrote for george magazine rolling yeah, stone george. magazine and harper's magazine um so he was as rock starry as they come in that world when he fell and i think mm -hmm. the other thing that's sad is that he clearly was a gifted writer just yeah. like the million little pieces guy like you're a great writer why did you make shit up you could have actually written about real shit and none of this would have been a problem but you had to like fabricate stuff so yeah anyway. and yeah, I, he, I can't help but think that stories like Stephen glass and then like when this movie came out the jason blair stuff was coming out on the new york times yeah. um uh, manufacturing stuff i can't help but think that a couple of these guys plus you know 
later on you had like you know respected journalists like brian williams and dan rather and all yeah. these guys they found things that were untrue or like they stretched the truth uh on things that they had done you know all this has contributed to the whole uh being able to point to something as fake news and now it doesn't mean much anymore because right. we don't you know, everything you know it's like so in you know now it's it's just put us in a a, a state that i don't think we'll ever get out of no unfortunately uh it's 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 because of these assholes i sort of like feel like and just general sloppiness in journalism like you know that that whole thing about going back you can only just go back to the writer's notes as the as the main source how did that ever happen you know right like well, that oh. secretary lady that he butters up the whole movie even says at the end, you know what could have stopped this? Photographs. Mm. Yeah. You can't make yeah. something up if you have a picture of it. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So um, being called a plagiarist or a fictionalist in the world of journalism is probably more damning than a lot of things, right? Like, mm -hmm. you know, I'll use the cheap example of Chris Brown and rihanna but chris brown has suffered no career setbacks still a best-selling artist still wins awards and i think beating up someone is worse than making up a story in a journalism mm -hmm. article but stephen glass got two hundred thousand dollars basically as an advance for his novel yeah. and he's again gifted writer it sold less than five thousand copies wow I have two books that have sold more than that, and that, not by much, <laughs> but still, like, he is still marked by this and will be for the rest of his life as long as he's trying to be a writer. If he wants mm -hmm. to go operate a shrimp boat, then I'm sure he can gain <laughs> respect and climb that ladder, but, like, the journalism writing community has blackballed him forever. It's crazy. Yeah. Yeah, um, I also wanted to point out uh, some fun stuff from the IMDb trivia. Yeah, uh, Melanie Linsky has no costume changes in the entire movie. She mm -hmm. wears the exact same outfit in every single scene. Um, the students, I love this one. The students in the class that he's speaking to at the high school are all French Canadians from Montreal. They didn't speak oh, English. Nice. That's why none of them talk during the whole scene because they don't okay. know English. Oh, I didn't know that. <clears throat> and then uh, according to Chuck, uh, Chuck Lane, uh, the real Chuck Lane, the scene in front of the restaurant where he confronts Steven is almost exactly how it happened in real life. Mm. Um, and that's mm. being one of my favorite scenes uh, made me yeah. really, really happy. All right. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> I believe we are ready for the super secret double feature. Be very, very quiet. Secret? What secret? Our dirty little secret. I tell you something I've never told anyone. All right. Okay, so this is going to be one where I name a whole bunch of movies, uh, basically, and, and cheat my way on this uh, uh, super secret double feature. But I am going to come up with a basically a final one. That there's one that I definitely there's one that I definitely want to make it, but I don't know if I've used it before. Oh, so and we talk about this movie a lot, and I think if I told i think if just from those clues you might know what i'm talking about but the one that i really want to make it which i'm not going to settle on because i'm not sure if i've said it before is the informant mm. um mm. the 
Matt Damon lies, and Melanie Linsky is in that movie too. By yes, the way, yes. Um, uh, the way Matt Damon lies in the informant is so much like what he, Hayden Christensen does in there, and it's like, and it's like even when he's beat, he just keeps trying to find ways to lie afterwards. Yep. It's just, it, 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 and finally Scott Bakula is like, you need to stop lying. <laughs> <laughs> um and uh and so like it, it so every, a lot of the things that Stephen glass does in this reminds me of Mar marka whitaker in the the informant uh so i don't know if i've used the informant before but that would be my 1a on this some mm. other ones that came to mind or catch me if you can uh which of course you know kind of like what you said last week i don't want to really make that one uh, because we've already made that a big recommend and I don't want to make that the uh, super secret double feature for this. Mm -hmm. uh, but catch me if you can has some of the same stuff where DiCaprio, especially in that doctor scene where he's like, you know, do you concur and all that? <laughs> and like, uh, and he's making people who have way more medical education than he does feel bad about themselves. And that's what glass does in this yep. when, when he's telling these fake stories that nobody like nobody ever runs into the stuff like Steven glass does. And right. like, you know, like why can't I run into stories like he does, you know, that type of thing is because you're not making them up. Unfortunately, you know, Peter Sargar <laughs> over there, Peter Sargar's over there. I'm going to go to Haiti and talk about Haiti, you know? And like, that's like, that doesn't sound exciting. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, there was, uh, there was another one too. I mean, obviously the talent of Mr. Ripley, another Matt Damon movie, uh, mm. uh where he's lying throughout, mm. but that one feels more like, I mean, it's still, he's still, especially towards the end where he's trying to b convince Gwyneth Paltrow at the end of that movie. Yeah. Um, it would be, I ended up though on a movie that came out a few years ago, bad education. Oh, the yes. Hugh Jackman, uh, Allison Janney movie where he's stealing in this. Yeah. 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 <sighs> oh this movie's great yeah um so uh yeah the, it's it's about a you know uh, it's a he's a principal in that school that's yes. stealing he's stealing uh school funds that they basically lie to all the uh, parents uh about like how great their test scores are and everything and they he steals all the the funding he gets from that and like all this extravagant stuff and allison janney is kind of like a side partner in all yep. of this and get, she gets to buy a whole bunch of stuff too from all this money but uh but that's another one because like hugh jackman like is another character where you know he he's he's very well liked and like who how could he possibly be a liar how could he possibly be somebody who steals money and all that that's what sort of what goes through that movie for the longest time until right. finally it's like all right yeah he's doing this shit so that's what ended up on uh, bad education, and I like I said, the informant would be a would be a good one as well. Like I said, I don't know if I've said that one before for another answer, but I'm going to stick with bad education. I love that. I love that one. Uh, it's a really good movie, and I need to watch it again. I haven't seen it in probably well since it came out. I watched it two or three times though. That girl who plays the journalist, uh, the student journalist that unravels all of it, is really good in that movie. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. <clears throat> Awesome. All, All right. right. Uh, what is uh, the homework for everybody for next week? All right. So continuing with the uh, comedies through the decades, we're in 1940 now. 
from the 1940s. And yes, actually 1940. Uh, I'm going to do His Girl Friday. Um, mm. And uh, if you've never seen this, this is like one of those like, you know, wine a minute screwball comedies that came out back in the day. Uh, Blinking, you'll miss three jokes, probably type mm. of how how fast everybody's talking in this movie. Um, I was uh, going. There was a there's a suggestion uh, for uh, Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein. The I was going to make that the choice. Abbott oh, wow. and Costello meet, meet Frankenstein, but it appears that it's not streaming anywhere. You can rent it on Amazon, and I kind of just want. I think we both do this where it's like yeah you can rent it but i don't want to make everybody go rent a movie right just to talk about it later on the podcast and we've done that before it's just that i'm I kind of getting tired of it where it's like oh that'd be a good movie and then it's like nowhere streaming you can right. rent it you can rent it but um this his girl friday is everywhere yeah so, i was just about um, to say that it's everywhere so uh so that's that's why it ends up winning over some others that could have made the cut uh, but this one is a choice uh, movie. It's very good, very funny. So uh, we'll all have fun with that. Also, of course, in the 1940s was uh, was Arsenic and Old Lace. Remember yes, we did that one back Grant. in the day. Also, also Cary Grant. Uh, but uh, yeah, we're going to do that one this time. And like I said, I wish we could have done Abbott and Costello. Would have continued with the comedy troupe thing uh, or the comedy star thing. But, uh, yeah, uh, if it's not streaming somewhere and I have to tell you, Hey guys, pay the, pay the four bucks. I mean, I'm sure most of you would do it. I just, I just, you know, yeah, it's no, just, I get you. So anyway, that's you. what ended up. All right. Uh, I like it. I've never seen this movie. Um, so this will be coming off my list of shame and uh, okay. I'm excited to get to it. I love me some Cary Grant. Um, mm -hmm. So, yes, uh, his Girl Friday is homework for next week. We have time for a question or two. Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the truth. I am listening. Uh, this question asker uh, didn't ask a question and just demanded that we recast each other's favorite movies. And uh, oh. so I the last time <laughs> I remember you saying a declaration uh, of a favorite movie, it was still Back to the Future. Uh, still is. So yeah. that is what I have recasted it um, okay and i i'm gonna go with tom holland for marty um, oh perfect i think he can pull off the charm uh the charisma uh his girlfriend jennifer i'm gonna use joey king here because uh, okay. actors are chess pieces for me to move around a board indeed and, and, like because, and her name is king exactly um mm -hmm. lorraine uh is gonna be margaret Qualley who oh. uh, will do just like uh, the original and be made up to look older in the present day right. scenes. Yeah, I like her quite a bit. Uh, George is going to be Ace of Butterfield because I think he can pull yeah. off that uh, <laughs> he would be lanky, perfect. awkward thing. Uh, Bill Hader is going to be my Doc Brown because um, mm -hmm. I think he could do oh, the, Bill the crazy would be stuff. An um, absolutely amazing Doc Brown. I think he would really... I feel like maybe he's even done that in like an SNL he, skit or I something. I think he probably has, yeah. <laughs> uh, Biff is Jacob Elordi um, of uh, the uh, HBO show with all the sex and drugs and uh, shit. Tom Holland. Oh, is it girlfriend. Euphoria? Euphoria. Um, yeah, yeah. He's the bully bad guy in that, so it just seemed natural. And then yeah. my principal Strickland, J.K. Simmons, baby. <clears throat> oh, that would be amazing, yes. Yeah. 
So there you go. There's I like my... all of those. I like all of those castings. I think, I mean, it, it's, it's weird when we do these, like I always think of like, you know, who, who would be, uh, uh, who would be great and their ages sometimes don't quite match up with what they would normally be like uh, like holland now has gotten to the it's H- holland's not 30 but he's getting there right he's like yeah. fairly close but i think he could still he can still pull off the high school student thing he's been doing these spider-man movies the whole thing just pulling yep. off high school students he's so, 26 yeah. so yeah I think oh he do so it. he can and still I, definitely do it michael j fox was that older older when he made back to the future so. i think so i think so i think he was around that age um uh all right so yours last time i checked was the matrix um yes it is the, still is <clears throat> yeah um and uh so uh it started off it started off like uh, uh, kind of jokey but like it's i mean not joke it started off like I was going to, okay, here is who I'd like to see be Neo. And then I was like, Oh, it'd be awesome if this person was Morpheus. And then I was like, Oh, then I was like, Oh, who would be Trinity? And that's where the joke comes in, but it still would be a good one. I contest, but, uh, so Neo, I have John David Washington playing Neo. Ooh, I like it. I think he would be badass. He's great. Uh, and then Morpheus denzel washington oh his dad his dad beautiful absolutely uh fraternity i have carrie washington uh (laughs) who is not related to them uh uh, yeah so carrie washington's trinity and then i'll go through all of this i have uh leslie odom jr as agent smith nice Uh, oh he's i have i have angela bassett as the oracle um I have Brian Tyree Henry as Cypher. Oh. Um, and then I said, I don't know how far you want me to go, but I could round out the other cast with Kylie Bunbury uh, as mm. Switch. Lakeith Stanfield as Mouse. Uh, <laughs> yes. Jay Ellis as Tank. Uh, Jaden Smith as Apoc. And oh. uh, I, and because I need more Lashana Lynch in my life, she plays Dozer. Oh. So, so, I like it. so that's our rounded it out there with those with those uh those names and I uh, that's like it. a matrix i would love to see so yeah you know one day they're gonna remake it right they're making they're remaking harry oh, potter sure. as a tv show they're remaking lord of the rings mm-hmm. they're gonna remake it's, the matrix is the chat asking me to cast agent smith i did it's you leslie did. odom jr leslie odom jr mm-hmm. they must not have heard so, you must not <clears throat> all right um all right one more quick question. All right. Um, what are the biggest lies a movie ever told? Example, there's no cats in America from American Tale. Hmm. Um, the first one that I come to is that there are a lot of places for Godzilla to hide in New York in the 1998 <laughs> Godzilla. Um, uh, that was a big lie. And then the... And then this is one that's a little bit, I guess, more subtle. They don't really outright tell you that this uh, is a is something, but I, 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 it, Moonfall has so many ridiculous points oh, to yeah. it. But the fact that the that uh, John Bradley, who played Sam in Ga- Game of Thrones or whatever, they can just put him in a rocket and just say, "Hey, go to space." <laughs> I'm sorry, guys. I'm sorry, guys. If they if they told me. If they put me in a suit and they and they and they downloaded all the information I needed to know about about NASA shit and space into my body, 
I still wouldn't be able to go to space because I don't have the the physical ability to go up into space. And uh and and they just like just take John Bradley because he really, really wants to go to space someday. Or that he really, really, you know, not that he really wanted to go in the movie, but still, I was just like, you can't just pull somebody off the street and say, go to space. So that was a big lie. <laughs> uh, I'm, I went with uh, all drains lead to the ocean from finding. Oh, email, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which yeah. actually led to a lot of dumb children flushing their animals mm-hmm. um, or their fish. Mm-hmm. Um, chat's got some good examples. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. The biggest lie ever told in the movie is that anyone would consider Charlize Theron less fair than Kristen Stewart and Snow White and the Huntsman. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Holy shit. Yeah. Um, and then there's the, you know, the one that we hear, especially in Lucy, the uh, the old, uh, we only use 10% of our brains and we can uh, unlock the other 90. That's uh, yeah. from Josh. Yeah. So, yeah, that's one that the, they do quite a bit as well. Mm-hmm. Um but uh yeah and he also mentions that girls wearing glasses with their hair up are total hags yeah that's true (laughs) yeah that's true that they did that great they they did that great and not another teen movie which uh where chris evans is like oh you got glasses and her hair's up and oh my god (laughs) yeah um so um all right well that's uh wreck toby 64 the uh the next movie is uh his girl friday and uh looking forward to seeing what you guys think about that and yep. uh thank you guys thank you guys for coming out thanks uh, everybody and uh we'll see you we'll see you next time see you rock bye, bye. karate chop part of the live show by being a member of the sin club at patreon at patreon.com slash cinema sins chat with us on the cinema sins discord at discord.gg slash cinema sins or cinema sins twitter at cinema sins and email any comments or questions to recotopia at cinema that's r-e-c-o-t-o-p-i-a at cinema Check, check, check. That this is fun for Jonathan. Hey, Jonathan. Several days from now. How you doing? These guys on this barbarian video in the comments are saying the reason it's named barbarian is because the house, the Airbnb house in the movie is on Barbary Street. And if there's a shot in the movie of a street sign that says Barbary Street, I'm going to go ahead and believe that that is how they chose the title. But I still think that's dumb. Yeah, it's dumb. If you started with Barbarian and you worked backwards, like if the street had been Library Street, would the movie have been called Librarian? Yeah, no. right. You started with... We started with what you wanted to call it, and granted, Barbarian's <laughs> a great title for a modern horror movie, but uh, it has nothing to do with what actually but happens in the movie. Do you often refer to yourself by the street that you live on, unless it's like a like a very well known, right. like I, let's say I let's say I lived on West End. Do I become a West Indian? Yeah, I mean, I think the street has to be pretty huge mm-hmm. for you to call yourself. Because, I mean, we do this with cities, right? We're mm-hmm. Nashvillians. Um, but 
Yeah, I don't think that we associate with our street. I realized that street was abandoned in the movie, but before it was abandoned, was everybody who lived on that street a barbarian? Yeah, were they known as barbarians? Yeah. I don't think I just so. think that's a really silly way to choose your title. And well, and it's also a really weird way to defend what the movie decided to do, too. Like, so, <laughs> yeah. like I, you know, I, I always think about stuff like this. The one that always, uh, you know, in our history that I always come back to is the one in Kick-Ass because there's a, uh, there's a, there's a part in there where Aaron Taylor Johnson's, like, the girl that he likes is says is is saying something about somebody who keeps coming to the needle place that she works at and yeah. and uh and then she suddenly says that I'm scared of him and blah 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 and like uh and then he goes to like protect her from him later and you know has that scene in the apartment where he where he like beats the guy up or whatever um I don't know does he does he does he do end up beating that guy up or is somebody or, or is that does like uh chloe grace show up in that scene and i can't remember i haven't seen kick-ass in forever but um but he goes to he goes to like beat him up or whatever and then later on as a as a like a like a complete like blinking you miss it moment he says something like you know um I guess he won't ever like uh, be given her black eyes again or something like that. And it was in the narration. And I remember we wrote, I wrote two sins that ended up being in the video that said, what the hell is this guy actually doing to her? Like they don't ever show him hitting her or yelling at her or anything like that. But we're going through all this stuff to like defend her from him and everything. And so like, so like we had two sins about that because there's never really any, you don't see anything. He just says that one moment where he mentions he gave her a black eye, which also we never see. We never see right. her with a black eye. And so then later on, people are like, oh, they obviously said that she he was he was hitting her because he had black eyes and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, man, that that was like that was like in that was like barely mentioned in the movie barely mentioned what actually happened just said she just said he was she was scared of him for no reason for the longest time and then suddenly bam so yeah there's yeah. always something there's always there's always things in these movies where it's like either you've got to be the most eagle eye person and even if right. you are the eagle most eagle eye person the the justification for some of the things that they put in a movie sometimes are like yeah come on yeah, Aaron says uh, Barbary Inn, I-N-N, because it's an Airbnb on Barbary Street is apparently the thinking behind the title. And that's, some, that's, that. that's what somebody from Michigan would say. It is. You know, fucking Michiganders. Oh, mm -hmm. oh, there I go, identifying him by his state. We got a big showdown this weekend, you and me. Oh, oh yeah, that's right. Braves Orioles. We got Braves Orioles, and I think... Uh, this is my prediction, and this is the most uh, lukewarm prediction you can make. Mm -hmm. I think it will be a 2-1 split series. That's all I have to say. I think both teams will win at least one game, but I expect the Braves to probably win two. Yeah, I have no – I mean, I know that uh, – not that this year's team matters in the grand scheme of history, historical Braves teams, but um, – Historically, they struggle against teams like the Orioles, who are all super young and 
you know yeah the and so i i'm that series is one that i'm like all right here comes the sweep they're gonna like they'll beat them they'll, they'll probably sweep the marlins or something like that and then they'll go into this Orioles series and then it'll be like just can't do anything right and whatever well, so historically they tend to lose these games so we're still playing above our level so i expect this is the i mean the yankees and red Sox aren't terrible teams but this is probably by far the best team we've played all year we've played mm. a bunch of stinkers and so i'm expecting a series in may to be a wall that we run into and it very easily could be the braves but my wife and I are going to this like resort type place mm-hmm. for a weekend, like two nights. And one of the reasons we booked it is that they have a falconry experience mm-hmm. where you get to put on a big glove and their falcon flies to your arm and oh, yeah. off of your arm. And I have been wanting to do this for years and it's canceled. Oh. So they booked me a month and a half ago for it. And then this fucker changed his mind. And now I don't get to do it. It's a, this is becoming a theme for you, isn't it? It really is. This is the second time I have tried. I've been this close to this kind of experience and uh, had it ripped away from me by fucking circumstance. Yeah. They do, at Radnor Lake, they do have like a hawk talk thing. Like weekly on the weekend, you can go down and you'd be this like be really close to the hawks, but you don't get to touch them, you don't get to hold them. Um, and I might end up having to settle for that. Yeah, or driving out of state or something. I don't know. Mm. It's really frustrating. That was like yeah thirty percent of what I was looking forward to for that whole weekend. Yeah, it's um, it's like uh, I mean, this isn't the same exact thing because you you always know this is a possibility when you do this, but like the the trip to new york that my brother wanted to you know that told you know my brother was like let's go to new york for christmas and we did that this past christmas and um i don't know it was like seven or eight months before we actually went and i was waiting for the nba and nhl schedules to to be published and and uh and it was actually well before they actually got published that uh so i was like all right waited for a second then finally got there and then like that weekend Knicks Warriors, holy shit! Gonna get to see Steph Curry if I can get tickets for that. And you get to the game, and Steph Curry just got injured the game before. Oh, no. <sighs> yeah, that was that so annoying, man. I mean, it was just like it sucks. It's like okay. I mean, I want Draymond like, Green. I guess that's fine. Imagine going to that Hugh Jackman Music Man and be like tonight the product. Man will be played by Brad Jones. Dude, no <laughs> kidding. Oh my god. Yeah, and you know what's you know what's really kind of messed up about that though? Like, yes, you came to see Hugh Jackman. Of course you want to see Hugh Jackman, but you know that whoever is his understudy is going to be awesome. It's just oh, yeah. that they're not Hugh Jackman. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> and and it may very well may even blow you away. And right. you will end up not upset, but, you know, for the initial, you're like, oh, I'm not getting what I want. It's like the day of the Nickel Creek concert my wife and I were going to go to. Mm-hmm. They emailed to say, we're canceling all these. He broke his throat. 
Yeah. He <laughs> broke his throat. <laughs> Damaged his vocal cords. Broke but, uh, his throat. <laughs> yes, he bent it over his knee and yes, broke it in neck two. Yes, neck is okay. Throat is broke.